So this morning we're going to start with our new way of being teachers with each other, students with each other, listening and taking in the goodness of this text. Many of you have actually written and said how much you love this text, which is really nice to hear. I wanted to start with a short story from yesterday. I realized as I was choosing my paragraph from the uh, Wild Mind, Wild Earth book that even though I can give a Dharma talk for everyday Zen that's entitled It's Not Too Late, that I look for clues, that I look for rays of hope, uh, something to keep me inspired and that's kind of, I think, my greedy self, but I do that, and I admit that I often find it, you know, really unexpected places. Yesterday, I was on a Zoom call with a friend and, and colleague uh, in Kauai who runs the Limahuli Garden there. You've heard me talk about that garden, and some of us have even been there some on this call. Our recent visit by the Secretary of the Interior, Deb Haaland, who came to Hawaii at the invitation of the Hawaii Conservation Corps. And when I first started going to Hawaii for work in 1997, that Hawaii Conservation Corps was all white people. There were no Native people at all. Uh, and over the years, that has slowly, very slowly changed. Um, my colleague, her name is Lei, L-E-I, um, was telling me that she and the Limahuli staff were invited to give the official welcome to Secretary of the Interior at a conference. Uh, and there was a protest by the Fish and Wildlife Service that the indigenous people should not go before the Secretary of the Interior. Uh, and the Secretary of the Interior shot back a message saying that it was protocol that indigenous people always do the welcome uh, to their territory, to their land. So this really also like, doubly inspired Lay and her staff, and they began uh, about two months before the visit to create uh, what they call a mele, uh, which is an opening chant. Uh, and they decided that they would uh, try to, in a sense, come into union with the birds and the trees and the sounds of Hawaii in this chant. Uh, and people beyond the staff began to hear about what they were doing in their rehearsals, and by the time they went to Oahu to do this welcoming, um, they had about 30 people, and many of them were not Native. Uh, many of them uh, joined. It was a 
welcome to everyone kind of event. And they were very happy to have all kinds of people there to participate. I'm, I wish I had the chant itself. I'm, I'm still going to look for it and see if I can't find it for, for next time, maybe. Um, but I thought this would particularly, you know, give us a little bit of hope also uh, for what Deb Halland said that day and what she announced. And I think for Claire especially, I thought this might be a sort of thrilling. Let's see if I can share the screen here. Yeah, it's very short, but it's a, it's a wonderful um, moment to hear a government official be touched. of the Interior Secretary, Deb Holland, delivered the keynote address today at the 30th Annual Hawaii Conservation Conference. Holland says more than $16 million is being invested into preventing the extinction of Hawaiian forest birds. The secretary became emotional when talking about the importance of protecting birds like the Akohe Kohe. Importantly, they are critical cultural pillars to the native Hawaiian community, appearing in indigenous stories, history, and traditional practices. These birds aren't just animals. For the native Hawaiian community, they are ohana, family members, and ancestors that must be revered and protected. Revered and protected. Let's see. Did I do that right? Stop sharing? Yeah. Um, so the first woman you saw standing there at the podium was my friend, colleague, Leigh. And uh, she said that um, the secretary was so moved by what they did in that chant by what was created uh, in the room, that she actually couldn't speak for almost a full minute after they were finished. That it was so powerful, this um, creation of chant, song, story, um, interspecies communication. Uh, the fish and wildlife guys stood up and gave her a rousing standing ovation and an apology at the conference. So, um, those kinds of stories, generative stories, forgiveness, ways in which people are opening to the world. I wanted to just share that first and told, tell you that I, I look forward to this new kind of a way of, of sharing the teachings. I thought that what we would do this morning was to begin by Wendy and I sharing our paragraphs, in a sense kind of setting an example of what uh, you might encounter with each other. Um, and then we will go into breakout groups so that you can do that with each other. And then we'll come back to a larger discussion. Are there any questions people have about this, or does this feel clear? Okay. 
Wendy, would you like me to start or would you like to start? I'm ready, Jean. Please go. Good. Thank you for the beautiful tribute to the birds. Opening in that way. Togetherness is primordial value. Deeper and more ancient even than self-awareness, let alone philosophizing. Togetherness inheres in the body itself. We instinctively need togetherness. Togetherness requires kinship. Indeed, togetherness goes so deeply that it challenges our assumptions about individual identity. For without kinship and togetherness, what are we? We curl up together, sink into that primal mystery called sleep, wake and talk together, cook, eat, eat, make love, sleep again. We inhabit a single tissue of language, for it inhabits us. We are positively interfused and adrift in togetherness. In family, community, culture, civilization. And why would this stop with our species? Why did you choose this? Well, I just kept coming back to it uh, from the first time I opened the book and feeling... um, you know what again from the from the extended indigenous world feeling the uh, concentric awareness and then this morning when you spoke about reminding us to uh, ground in the land we're, we're made of the land together with the land together with the water air fire and grit of the land so i i felt this reading together to gather we gather together and it just, um, again, from the first reading of the book, this passage was very strong and so grateful to have a book that is knit together with kinship and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, you know, again, as he says so beautifully, we inhabit the world, but it also inhabits us. So certain passage, passages inhabit us. And for me, this passage is um, such a one. Yeah. You, you recognize, okay, this is right. I think it was that inhabiting us that also moved me about this um, chant that Lay told us about. Um, <laughs> she was, she's a PhD uh, ecologist uh, from Haena, the, the community where Limahuli is. Uh, and she said that it was so thrilling to listen deeply to the birds and the trees and the insects and the sounds of the ground as they were walking. Um, she said, we tried to get it all in there. Uh, and that there was something that happened when they presented it in that large room that mm. felt 
she said, there we were in this big hotel conference room with terrible, you know, no windows or anything. And it was alive. Yeah. You know, I remember um, our Wonder Walk and Claire beginning in, in the preamble to the Wonder Walk, talking about the sorrow and the silence of the birds, John. Also, we're listening now to the silence of the birds. Hawaii is alive, Ohana, the birds are speaking, and also the silence of the birds is speaking. And yet, still, as Claire said so beautifully, we find our way into this, both the sorrow, and we're inhabited by both the sorrow and the song. I feel that so strong. I'm here I am, looking at the computer, looking at you in, in the computer, in, inhabited by the mystery of how it can be that this is how we're living now and, and the, in togetherness, together with sorrow and uh, sadness, together with uh, reveration, excuse me, revering and protecting. Mm-hmm. You know, so to, together uh, this morning, coming together. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll read you what I... Good. I'm ready. Let's see how, and it's call and response, isn't it? This, this reading. I, I cheated a little. You might be surprised. I went from one paragraph to another, um, but not two whole paragraphs. It's very possible that recognizing and embracing and cultivating our kinship with wild earth is the only thing that might save this planet from its sixth extinction, the great vanishing, now seething through its oceans and continents. We love this world, and there's an unnoticed philosophical revolution inherent in that love. As we will see, that revolution has been slowly unfolding over the last few centuries in the West making possible our kindred love for wild earth's 10,000 things. It's a return to Paleolithic understanding. Indeed, as we will see, the model of primal cultures, I would say indigenous cultures, helped driving this revolution from its beginning. And that return has a precedent in early China. There, nearly 4,000 years ago, a wound very similar to our own defined human consciousness for millennia. But in a vast cultural transformation, it was replaced by the Paleolithic paradigm that had survived beneath the surface of political power structures, a paradigm that revealed our entanglement with existence to be everywhere all through everything that we are. In this alternative paradigm, wild mind, kindred to wild earth, became the unthought assumption shaping experience, experience and ethics too. So I realized that of course I am drawn to revolution. And the reassurance, the thing that I said earlier about looking for hope. I didn't know that this had happened in China. 
I don't know so much history about China. A little, but. But that there was a wound very similar to the one that defined human consciousness gave me reassurance that if that was 4,000 years ago, that there was some future for us. But more, there was some future for generations to come. And that beneath whatever the power structure that feels so miserable right now, that there is something so much deeper and more powerful. that we can access. And I believe one of those ways of accessing it is through practice. You, you think about the ancient Tang Dynasty with where the generation and um, coming forth of practice really happened in the folds and canyons and landscape of those Chinese uh, mountains and rivers. The, the teaching was not ever separate from the voice of the mountains and the rivers, from the alternative paradigm. What's alternative paradigm is the way we're living now. The original reverential and um, protective paradigm finds its source and, and uh, matrix in the folds and um, mysterious canyons and valleys, mountains and rivers of this time. And to have meditation practice come up from the Chinese landscape and the great teachers taking their names from the mountains. And here we have a brilliant translator, dear ones, brilliant translator uh, guiding us into that old landscape of China and making it fresh in our time. So this book, Wild Earth, Wild, Wild Mind, Wild Earth, beautiful. Well, it, it you know, it's so important that earth is in the title and mind. Because how could our minds ever be separate from this kind of um, paradigm? What did you say? Alternative paradigm. Entangled. Yeah, I think of you when it, whenever I see that word, I think of it. Entanglement. Because it's in the garden. Yeah. You can't untangle the tangle. We just go into it. We're inherent. We're we're made of it. We're we're all tangled up and in love and love and loss and uh, it's very poignant reading this book and to read it slowly I, I hope I mean for me to be sure that this is what I wanted to say meant reading it aloud listening to the words listening to their um, vowels and uh, consonants and being in, in connection with the actual language, kind speech, kind speech, beautiful fascicle from Dogen Zenji, kind speech means kindred speech, kindred speech that is in communion and kinship, kith and kin. We always think it's kissing kin, no, kith. Kith are your neighbors, your next door neighbors, the ones you love and are in togetherness or, you know, vie with, but kith, your neighbors and kin, your family. Together, we're just they're coming together in this text. Dear friends, we didn't prepare this. This is just upwelling 
from from the reading, from sacred reading. And now we'll give you a chance to do the same thing. Um, let me take the uh, spotlights off of us. Uh, let's see. There you go. Um, I'll put you into breakout groups uh, for uh, 15 minutes. Uh, please share and uh, enjoy the, your conversations. And we'll see you then when you come back.